You're listening to Music Tectonics. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Music Tectonics. I'm your host for this episode, Tristra Newyear Jaeger, Chief Strategy Officer at Rock Paper Scissors, the music innovation PR firm. Today we are speaking with Sarah Landy, who is the Senior Vice President Americas at Fuga, the music distribution and technology company. Sarah's experience in the music business spans more than 20 years across business development, marketing, and A&R, so all the fun stuff. In 2014, Sarah was the first hire for AWOL in the U.S., overseeing the artist development team and driving A&R. Prior to joining Fuga, Sarah was vice president of Lowly, the independent record label. Sarah oversees business development, client relations, marketing, and operations for Fuga's business in North and South America and has a deep dedication to music and the spark it lights in our music-loving souls. Thanks so much for joining us, Sarah. Thank you, Tristra. You all are doing incredible work in this space, and I'm so happy to speak with you. Oh, we're, we're, we're doing our best. So, But this we're here to talk about you. So um, let's talk first about exactly what Fuga does and what you do there. Sure thing. Fuga, well, let me just start by saying Fuga is a brilliant force of people working with the mission of providing forward-thinking distribution and tech and global marketing services for companies out there working to serve artists. And our time in the business goes back to 2006 when the company was founded in Amsterdam. And then in 2020, we became a part of the downtown music fold. And we're in over 17 locations across the map. And I started up specifically in my role just in the late summer 2022. So I'm fairly new. Um, I'm very inspired and energized by by what we are doing and the strong company culture that sits at the foundation of Fuga. And in my role, I'm overseeing our business in the Americas, as you said. So that's across North America, um, onto South America. Mm-hmm. And in recent years, we've had really significant growth in both the US and in Brazil. So it's quite an exciting time. And underneath all that, I'm, I'm basically managing our teams in the region that, that sit across client relations and business development, and as well our operations and marketing force that is set up locally. And then, you know, it's it's really about getting our connectivity with tech and product down mm-hmm. correctly, which, you know, our highly specialized teams working out of our hub in Amsterdam. And that's that's really critical. And we'll probably touch on a lot of that today. And yeah, and yeah the you know, we deliver over 10 million albums a month as uh, as a tech force here at Fuga. So it's really um, about operating at at volume while Mm-hmm. still underneath that working very closely with our partners and understanding what they need and how we can keep innovating. I'd love to ask you a little bit more about uh, what's going on in South America in particular. Can you give us some insights about you know, what you've been seeing out of that part of your team? Are there particular either tech sides to things or music sides to things that you find particularly intriguing? Just what's going on? Well, uh, let me first start by saying that I'm a huge fan of music across uh, South America, mm-hmm. but especially Brazil. So it's been yeah. really exciting for me to see that we've you know built a team there locally in Brazil and and have had uh, enormous growth over the past several years. And there is you know a lot of surgeons of music in the hip hop space and mm-hmm. as well in you know other 
rhythms of sound that draw on traditional pieces, but are, you know, incredibly of the moment, uh, you know, the, the sounds coming out in the pop space, there are yeah. really interesting. And, and then, yeah, looking across all of South America, there is uh, a lot of interesting growth of subcultures, I think around, you know, the big pillars of, of music like reggaeton and, and different regional sounds that are then being, you know, just innovated upon in, in terms of smaller movements. Yeah, there's some, I mean, Brazil has always been pretty ace at, mastering the art of keeping their grounding in their own sounds while sounding fresh and like they've heard everything in the world and just absorbed it. It's amazing. I, I'm not quite sure how, what, what magic alchemy is going on there for, for Brazilian artists, but they have not, not to, not to say the other South American artists aren't amazing too, <laughs> but it's a, it's a special gift that's been given to Brazil. I don't know. Truly agree. <laughs> cool. So Fuga's been in the news a lot lately, and you can fill me in on any news that I've missed that relates to your team specifically. But I noticed, for instance, you guys signed a pretty uh, impressive deal with Beggars. And on the tech side, you started, um, you announced a new immersive delivery service. I was wondering if you could talk to me a little bit more about that and how you see Fuga's role in the music innovation ecosystem. Sure thing. I mean, just just zooming in on our role in in the music innovation ecosystem, I would say that companies like Fuga, companies like us, we are a, a linchpin in the in this business. I, I truly believe that, and I like to think of it as though you know our tech is the motorcycle, our clients are in the driver's seat, and and we're in the sidecar mm-hmm. adding value. And um, <laughs> love it. I mean, personally, I'll probably be on the Vespa, but, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I, you know, I think that in, in, you know, earlier this year, there were statistics released indicating the strength of independent labels whose you know, U.S. market shares, speaking to this country, grew, mm-hmm. uh, grew an impressive amount, at, you know, in 2022 versus the, the previous years, something around a 30% increase. And, and yeah. with that, you know, we are in the era of rapid advancements in streaming and the ways that music fans are discovering music. So while much has changed over the decades in the ways that artists reach fans and how music is monetized, the the need for a solid route to market is a constant. And that's that brings you back to the linchpin note. Like we, you know, we need to continue to uh, to be a solid pillar for for companies releasing multiple repertoire and to constantly draw efficiencies to the ways that rights holders are managing assets and monetizing assets. Um, and underneath that, it's it's really our role, I believe, to provide solutions to strike the right balance of tech and people. So we'll always mm-hmm. uh, you know work hard to to make innovations in in the way we're delivering music and the the tools and and you know tech and API capacities that that we have for the companies that are in our community and and yet you know it's it's still about that that balance of who are the people that are uh driving the the day-to-day and and underneath that you know continuing to be bullish in our commercial licensing space and swiftly moving new regional platforms into our ecosystem 
You mentioned the word linchpin a couple times, and I think that's a really interesting uh, image to uh, unpack a little bit more. I'm curious, what do you think about, um, you know, what does it mean to be a distributor in 2023? What are some key tech aspects from your perspective that make Fuga what it is right now? Like, what are what are labels really needing? What are artists needing that you're responding to? And we mentioned immersive stuff. What are some other things that are maybe even a little bit more nuts and bolts that uh, you wish people knew more about and were more aware of um, that you're working with your 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 customers and your partners on the back end on. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll back up a little bit and just start with saying that the the you know the space that we as Fuga are in overall and and what it means to be in this space at this time, I think flexibility is a really important part of that and being able to mm-hmm. build the deal to build the partnership in a way that is reflecting what's needed and not having a one size fits all model by any means. And and that is something that I think makes our workflow unique in the sense that we've built tech capacities that allow companies to run their entire businesses on, on our platform. And, Mm -hmm. and in that sense, we're not really across the fabric of the day to day. We are, you know, providing, providing that engine yet, on the same token, we can work in a very traditional distributor label relationship sense uh, on the same page where we are building around providing service to all the digital platforms globally and you know modeling the the setup in that in that scope to to help the partners market records and to you know provide all the um, support around engaging with the DSPs and, and as I alluded before, just the, the commercial side mm-hmm. of how we're set up and how we're earning money and maximizing what is being collected. And, and so I guess the, you know, the, the tech piece that's really critical is just, you know, continuing to give control to our partners over the music rights that they mm-hmm. hold. And, and so there's a lot of, work and I think philosophy that's gone into the way that that our our uh, you know dashboards and and the the platform itself is built in a way that there's you know minimum back and forth operational mm-hmm. uh, tentacles that that need to be a part of the wheel it's it's really about building in a way that makes it really easy for our partners to to set up releases and to to get their music out to the widest audience possible um, with least amount of, of friction and being being a part of that space that's allowing the the independent music sector to to really grow and, and flourish. So I think that at, at the root of it, there's a need for fast response and 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 I think I'll return as well to just noting that the the team really matters underneath it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're almost, if I, I mean, I don't, maybe I can, I don't know if we, if we can go this far, but it almost sounds like to be a distributor in 2023 is to be a, is to be a SaaS provider, right? That, that you, you're really way more than um, just the, the, the person that connects like the, the people making the cool music to the people who provide the, the um, listeners with cool music. You're, um, you're creating this whole like tech environment between that lets people do all sorts of things that were very chal- that would have been challenging to pull off before, like really quick releases or um, maybe setting up certain kinds of promotional things or seeing enough data to make 
business decisions, maybe market by market even. Um, what, yes, do you, what is your absolutely. take on no, that? You, Am you I going too far? You, you nailed it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's being, you know, we are both a traditional distributor as well mm. as a full tech platform provider where, yes, I mean, part of our modeling of deals will then get into uh, platform-based pricing and, and, and what we are offering across the software that companies can take on to run their business. So mm-hmm. it's that, um, that the duality keeps us on our toes. And, and I think also, yeah, just makes us really uniquely positioned to serve as many partners as, as we can. You know, it's a, we're in an interesting industry because on one hand, everything moves really, really quickly. And the there's a almost a desire for like spontaneity and uh, for stuff to happen really fast uh, right now. And on the other hand, parts of our industry operate under very slow principles for, you know, for reasons that are understandable. I'm wondering how um, how you see that tension, like how as someone who is trying to bridge these different business processes, do you um, split the difference or, or, or uh, operate in the middle so that things work as smoothly as they can? Such a good question. And I think that that tug and pull we, we see in in different layers, there mm. is certainly the, you know, when it comes to working with our partners across new release flow, yes, there's often a push for things to be turned around really quickly. And, you know, can your tech push this live within days, within hours? And, (laughs) and actually, yes. However, then we're also wanting any given release that that we're focused closely on with a partner to, Mm -hmm. to have as much visibility as possible. And that's where you, you need the setup time that has nothing to do with technology. It has to, to do with the way that our, you know, uh, digital music services and providers are then receiving the music and considering different aspects of programming and, and curation. So mm-hmm. there's that end of it. And then there's also on a wider scope, the, the need for us to look at all the ways we can innovate and be first in market on, on, you know, certain features when it comes to royalties or when it comes to onboarding DSPs in a, in a, an emerging market and mm. and then yet at the same time the pull to also keep up with standards and to to keep up with a new feature that is pushed out say for example the you know motion capacities within apple music and making sure that our platform um, is is equipped to um to support setup of those type of assets as well and and so we are always as you put it you know looking at that balance between the innovation and and also keeping keeping up with the regular churn of what's of what's coming through the day-to-day course of business with with the music services okay so we're gonna take a quick little break here we'll be right back hey music tectonics besties get a comprehensive list of all the music tech events happening in austin march 11th through 18th by signing up at musictectonics.com to get our unofficial guide in your inbox some exciting events I would personally like to highlight. Tuesday at 10 a.m., Tristra New Year Jaeger from our team will be hosting an official South By workshop, PR for Weirdos. Start your PR plan now. Tuesday at 4 p.m., catch the Music Tectonics team co-hosting a mixer with Label Coin and Surf Music at Bangers on Rainy Street. 
And Thursday at 2.30 p.m., Dimitri and I will be hosting the official artist and label innovation meetup at the Hilton downtown Austin in 408. Mark your calendars now. I can't wait to see so many friends so soon. Don't forget to go to musictectonics.com to get the unofficial guide to music tech in Austin. Back to the episode. All right, now now we get to have we we kind of we kind of broke the ice here. We've gotten a great overview of Fuga and the distrib you know distributor slash tech provider space. Now we get to have some fun. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about data. I know I know maybe that doesn't seem fun, but that's fun for me. Data okay, is totally fun. Um, <laughs> I, I thought you might be into this. <laughs> okay. So in both A&R and marketing, two areas where you have a lot of expertise, data rules right now. It's like on everyone's tongue, everyone's talking about it. Um, I'm really curious, though, what some trends are that you're seeing and how data can translate into smart decisions. I mean, especially if you've noticed some things that might feel maybe a little counterintuitive or take a slightly different spin on things. Um, and I'm thinking about data in terms of repertoire, artist marketing, or label operations. What what are your thoughts? What what are you seeing that is important in data right now? Well, lots of thoughts, and I and I would just <laughs> say that as far as A and R and signings, there should be a healthy mix of the evaluation of artist growth and potential growth, along with the gut feeling. But but we'll come back to that. I think mm -hmm. it's it's really important to drill into the data that you can see uh, with music that's already been released or maybe similar music that's been released, as well as where is audience located, where is streaming taking hold, where is visual content being shared, and, and then, you know, getting a sense of the, the content pillars that uh, an artist is bringing forward and, and what sense there might be for striking cultural impact, for, for tapping mm -hmm. into communities. And, and with that, I think it, it brings up this area of data that's more sentiment related because mm -hmm. I think it, it's about the music, but it's also about the sphere that the artist is within. And and for us working in the business, I think it's it's important to, to look at that full picture and to see that fans are connecting to music more out of community and subculture than they are out of genre discovery. And, and mm -hmm. there's data out there that pulls from you know, that pulls shared interests across artists and their fans. And we we work with a few in such insights platforms where you can drill into why fan fans like what they like. That amazing really allows for a deeper level of of marketing strategy. And I guess for us, I, I jump over to the marketing strategy because we're not in the business assigning the artists that, you know, our, mm -hmm. the companies we work for or that we serve service as Fuga are generally the entities that are curating and signing in repertoire. And then, and then we're, uh, you know, zooming in on these sentiments and, and shared interests uh, as a part of what we're doing to add value to the marketing picture. And, and so, yeah, I really think that it's about uh, from a marketing standpoint, it's about leaning into how the artist's interests can connect in spaces like internet culture and, and how, different pieces of conversation and broader topics are connecting back to artist presence and music. So it's, yeah. I, yeah. So it's not just about usage data. It's about sort of the kind of maybe vaguely quantifiable and also qualitative relationships that an artist has to the bigger cultural conversation or to scenes or clusters of, 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 
people making cool things. Exactly. And and I think I, I gave a lot of air to that space just because, of course, I think it would be a, a, a wide assumption that, that, you know, you can look on an artist's profile if one exists on Spotify and you can see there in the public data offering what the, mm -hmm. you know, monthly listenership is and what followers have come to the profile. And there are other, um, you know, the accessible data platforms such as Chartmetric, where you can see not only data that you may be connected with, but also, as I would refer to it, competitive artist data, and you can get a snapshot mm -hmm. of of how a song or how an artist profile is 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 growing uh, based on the the different metrics that are fed in there. Uh, but yeah, indeed, as you summarized, it's I think it's about all those usage data points, and then what you can also glean of of where continued connection can be made that that is truly the connection that leads to repeat listening and and buying tickets to a show and and really being um, a, a force of sharing that content beyond possibly hearing a song and being moved by it on a playlist. So we're kind of hinting at the fact that data isn't everything. Yes. Um, and that music has a really specific Unlike, say, you know, consumer packaged goods, which don't tend to make people cry or scream or, you know, follow someone around the country in a van. Um, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but music has the ability to hook us really consistently and really hit all our feels and shape our worlds. Um, even though, you know, people <laughs> there's there's some discussion about how identity and music and the, or the relationships are shifting. It's still really, really present. And even in the youngest listeners is very much there, even if it's also tied into other things like gaming and um, you know, YouTubers and that kind of stuff. So anyway, but where do you think these connections happen? Um, you know, we're in this like seriously tech mediated digital world and yet people are forming these intense, for lack of a better word, parasocial bonds with um, music and the people who make it. How do you translate that, um, you know, that amazing relationship into a meaningful marketing strategy while, you know, kind of honoring that fan spirit without but but making the most of it you know to benefit the artist or the label that's working with them great question i i think that it's the more community-based platforms where we'll continue to see an uptick of how music is discovered and where music may hmm. take hold and take off i think there's a fair amount of social media burnout and mm -hmm. underneath that there's going to be more of you know, more of a, a surge, a surge in spaces where people are are finding community that's more closely knit around shared interests. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Twitter has semblances of this, and yet it's it's all about how it, an artist and and the marketing team is you know tapping into topical threads and and sharing of content that that would be shared. But I think ultimately underneath that it's it's then taking over to to other spaces like Discord and uh, YouTube has a lot of features that are leaning into community where mm -hmm. where there's I think just yeah less less about genre or traditional marketing tactics. It's it's about that uh, that cultural connection and and coming together over connections and the sum of connections it's about the story behind an artist and where where that has meaningful 
space to be to be shared and taken in. How do you help the people you work with find that story? Um, you know, I know a lot of labels often have are, are kind of vision driven, especially smaller independent labels. They have they have a feel, the vibe, they have music they love and maybe a community that they represent or work with. Um, but, you know, as someone who is looking at this from a very different perspective and maybe a little bit more distance and um, dare I say cold calculating, which is which is what you need, right? You don't always want someone who's like in the same throes of passion as you when you're looking for a good advisor out there. Um, how do you advise people to, to, to shape that story? And you've, I'm just curious to hear your perspective on, on how um, artists might or, or labels might begin to uh, find, find that story that they could then use to connect if it's not obvious. Sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it isn't obvious. That That's so true. And, and it can come from rather simple exchanges where, you know, a label or if it's us together with a label, if we're sitting down with an artist or engaging in communications where maybe it's, you know, sending a run of questions that might spark a share of information that then leads to, to, you know, something that can, can funnel out content and different themes that, that will be meaningful to other people. It's, it's about that recognition that we, you know, that we are all, you know, connecting to music based on connections we make with it and how it speaks to something about ourselves. And, and mm-hmm. so I think the more that you get underneath uh, the surrounding bits of inspiration and different characteristics that that make an artist tick, then mm-hmm. that's where I think you start to get into that space of what's going to draw people in. And and so I guess back to your question about how to, you know, how how do you get this information together and how do you steer things into a space that is based in story? I think it's it's uh it's the rec- it's all about the recognition that that music is an emotional connection point and mm-hmm. that i mean side note i think music is is probably the form of art that is most inter- intertwined with our personal memories throughout life and mm-hmm. i think that that we in the business need to stay in tune with this and need to help get all of that vision and and you know like the unique attributes pulled out of of what's being put together in the musical works so that that can be a part of how people are reached with with the music music i mean of course i never lose sight of the the quality of the music and and how it's it, it alone can can connect and get inside of you but i think that there is that that piece of how an an artist allows people in the world to feel something, uh, to, to feel seen in something that's shared. And the only way you're going to get underneath that is by, is by, uh, putting out, you know, story-based content around the music. I love that you're, it sounds like what you're saying is you, is you're kind of encouraging, you know, music professionals to reach into whatever it was that resonates with them very deeply or to remember those experiences as they're trying to wrap their heads around how to solve what might feel like a pretty, uh, maybe a more a more strategic problem, right? So it's, we don't usually see, see um, 
people talking about like, okay, I felt all these things and now I'm going to use this sort of emotional energy or wisdom that I gained from my own interaction with music, even if it's very different from the, this music here, to inspire me to come up with some good approaches for this particular music. Am I making sense? Is that, you are, do, you, do you see yeah, what I'm I mean, saying? I think you're making sense <laughs> on top of uh, the the jumble I, I just put before you. And, no. and um, But yeah, no, I, I, I do think that it's, it's to- um, yeah, there's something in that emotional spark and, and gut feeling that we as professionals can can probably relate to and a part of what got us to where we are and and having that drive mm-hmm. to to be a part of the the picture of music and and yes if we do shift our mindset into that way when it comes to marketing and and when it comes down to thinking of all the ways that you're going to reach people uh, there is certainly value in that you know alongside of course being smart about about what of you're course. learning from the data and and where where there are clear indicators of, of what makes sense for targeting. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think it's a combination of, of all of that, that will help an artist break through all the noise, because let's be honest, it's, it's the, uh, an unprecedented time of access. Okay. We're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. If you listened to our recent episode with Tim Exile, you heard him talk about the Endless Arcade, a retro arcade console for making cutting-edge beats. Well, we're bringing you a chance to play with one at the NAMM Show 2023. Music Tectonics and Triple G Ventures are teaming up with the most creative new musical inventions at our Innovate at NAMM booth. If you're attending the show this April in Anaheim, meet us at the convention center number 10105. The Endless Arcade is just one of the music making tools and toys you can demo. Will I see you in Anaheim? Okay, we are back. So we were talking a bit about that powerful emotional connection that many of us in the industry feel to music and how in some ways we can draw on that as we are doing our jobs to do our jobs better. Um, One interesting thing that came to mind while you were describing that, Sarah, was, um, you know, I often see um, my younger colleagues or, you know, youngsters that I get to hang around with. really, really excited about music that does nothing for me. But I can see how thrilled they are and how much it means to them and how deeply it moves them um, or just gets them amped up and and excited. And that's really fun, too. So um, it's really, really cool to be able to watch fans be fans. And I think that spark is always recognizable. Well, most of the time is recognizable. I'm curious, um, as you, you know, work with all of these different releases and people making things and putting stuff out, um, how you're seeing fandom? What's what's fandom's future? How do you think artists and fans will relate? How are how's that relationship changing? And, you know, we're kind of in this interesting era when fans are wanting to form more and more horizontal fan-to-fan bonds. So it's like we went from deadheads and juggalos or being these small communities that had this peculiar horizontal community to more and more and more um, fan groups wanting, like whether it's the BTS Army, Swifties. I mean, the, there's a whole group of fandoms that have these powerful horizontal bonds. How do you see all this? What does it look like from your perspective? It, it's fascinating. I, I You know, I... I go back to community i think the future of fandom is is so intertwined in community fans want a connection to the artist and alongside that to one another and creating spaces where that can be deeply experienced is really key and with data insights with 
with Web3 spaces. I think there are really exciting new ways that this can happen and, mm-hmm. and you know, nurturing places where fans can connect and where the artist content and, and conversations can be woven into, you know, fans also having an opportunity to, to come together under shared, shared excitement, as you said, and shared, shared interest in, in the, the artists that is creating that bond. And this gets into spaces like Discord and Reddit. I think Twitch will continue to be a a big part of this. Mm -hmm. And, and then with that said, it, it is about creating content and, and how that is feeding out, you know, in audiovisual spaces, be it TikTok or YouTube. And, and I think that, you know, with that, there are, you know, assemblances of, of comments that come together and, and, you know, then funnel people into the, into the smaller community spaces. But yeah, I think there's something really magical about the, the way that fandom is evolving and the way Mm -hmm. that pop culture is shifting. It's, as I said before, it's more about subculture than it's about genre and, and it's having impact on certain genres that maybe have been seen in a very particular space historically, but now is becoming something more such as the resurgence of dance music and Beyonce winning a a, a Grammy in, in the electronic category and, you know, what that pulls out from queer culture and, and, you know, ballroom spaces where um, there's a huge uh, vehicle of, of fans loving that kind of music. But often mm-hmm. in our industry, it's been seen in a, a very different lens. So, yeah, I think that, you know, finding these these spaces that that feed the different aspects of, of what makes you as a music fan uh, excited. And, and then yeah. as teams of people working with artists, it's, it's really, I think it's really leaning into that and, and making sure that the way that content is being pushed out and that artists are engaging is, is opening up the door for, for that, you know, share of the video that may, uh, you know, lead to dialogue well outside of what, what the artist is, is pushing out, but, but all, all in a, a very shared spirit. How do you imagine your job or parts of it will change with tech? Um, you know, you're you're managing a lot of different processes, some of which I could imagine AI might have some interesting um, impacts on in a good way, um, I think. Um, what are some interesting tech developments that you're excited about that are going to change the way you do what you do? Well, tech is definitely at the core of what makes us as Fuga relevant to our clients. We're, we're in the services mm-hmm. business and you know we need steady innovation in order to provide the most value to all the companies that we get to work with. And, and tech will allow for the dynamic of our offering to take on new shapes where we can continue to draw efficiency to the ways that companies are managing their businesses and the various rights held with artists. As far as uh, an innovation, uh, and something to exemplify there, I guess there's there's tech I think that's exciting that's reducing some pain points in spaces such as sync and licensing, where oh, we can yeah. utilize AI to draw out instrumentals, which are mm-hmm. a necessity for pitching sync placements, where there easily may have been a struggle to provide those pieces of content along with the main master recordings 
we can actually go ahead and still surface that to to position it with the opportunity uh, without yeah having what in the past would have been a move on to the next opportunity move on to the next option where we have all the assets ready and mm-hmm. and so yeah that that that's one example of of an exciting development um, in, in sync and licensing that that we're very much across. Yeah, I know that was a huge problem, especially for folks seeking hip hop related sounds for, you know, for an ad or something like that was often they would really wanted them without vocals. And there just wasn't much in libraries and there wasn't many people like producing this. This is like a thousand years ago I'm talking about. But um, <laughs> so but even just recently, being able to pull out. For sure. And I think yeah, across I mean, many spaces of music. Yeah. Where that. Those, yeah. Yeah. Those, yeah. You know, those uh, that facet of the assets wasn't pulled out at the you know at the main session, and and so it becomes a bit of a of a challenge to to then roundabout to it. Exactly. Amazing. Or if you're trying to place something in a country where someone speak, you know, with where the languages don't match, and that's not desirable for the you know the destination um, placement. That's really awesome to be able to again pull vocals out. Dissing these poor vocals, I'm sorry, but you know, <laughs> that's a, you know, it's 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 a it's a it's a thing that's really really cool, um, amazing. Are there any other interesting um, whether it's things like uh, we, you know managing all this these huge this fire hose of data that we have, or um, helping you know helping identify interesting new markets or find new partners like how, as you know how do, how do you go about doing that or how is tech influencing or or supporting your mission to get the music to more places in the markets you work in? Well, thinking about markets and thinking about emerging markets, uh, for us and, you know, any company out there working in, in this, in the space of delivering music to music consumers, we mm-hmm. need to lean into local services and, and make sure that we're continuing to bring those services in and, you know, build them into our tech and our data and analytics so that we can effectively look at what, what's happening with audience. But here that would be services such as Boomplay in Africa and, yeah. you know, uh, QQ and NetEase in China, Geosavin in India. And, and you know, so it's not only about striking the deal and, and for us having that deal in place to be able to deliver music into those outlets on behalf of our clients, but it's also, you know, doing the additional tech work that will allow our partners to see those analytics alongside all the major services that we spend a lot of time talking about, such as Spotify mm-hmm. and Apple Music and YouTube. So um, so yeah, that that's that's an important development development and something we're we're very dedicated to. In North and South America, are there services you feel like people overlook or don't think about enough? Well, I, I would say in I, th- I think it's it could be easy when sitting outside of South America, despite what the data easily shows you, it can be easily to almost underestimate the the power mm-hmm. of services like YouTube. And, um, mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and yes, there are, there are a lot of interesting localized services uh, like Clara Musica and, uh, you know, but the, the power of, of the audiovisual beast of YouTube can, cannot be underestimated in terms of how much it is across the fabric of the way people are are discovering and engaging with with new music and and so you know for us that that means making sure that we uh, staff up in in the region when it comes to 
everything that's, you know, on from programmatic opportunities down mm-hmm. to the ops with YouTube and, and getting underneath the layers of what we do for servicing and UGC and monetization on the video platforms such as YouTube and being able to uh, identify effectively on top of what YouTube's tech does to, to make sure that we're connecting all of the usages as effectively as possible to then optimize the, the monetization. So really being on top of our game in that space is, is incredibly important when it comes to the, um, the, the landscape across South America and, and, and how big a service like YouTube is. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing all your insights and um, uh, ideas with us today. It's been really great. Really lovely speaking with you, Tristra. Many, many thanks. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.